I'm going to learn about podcast hosting. After visiting whatisthepodcastmatrix.com, you won't have to. When you hear the words, Friday the 13th, what do you think of? While most will recollect a certain impossible-to-be-killed masked individual bearing sharp weapons of all kinds, there's another Friday the 13th that deserves attention. In 1987, Friday the 13th, the series, created a rich tapestry of completely original storytelling. Based on a series of curious, devilishly enchanted objects that must be recovered and returned to the vault to prevent truly dark fates from befalling their owners. This is the detailed revisit and review of the adventures of their reacquisition. Episode by episode. You won't find any hockey masks here. This is the Curious Goods Podcast from Two Guys Talking Horror. It's been said that you can't squeeze blood from a stone. But what if you could shred blood, bone, and soul, and turn it into darkly enchanted cash? The next item up for rescue inside Friday the 13th the series is a hell-harkened wood chipper, the kind that can easily accommodate a body and in return provide you with cash. But not just one denomination. The more valued the person's life, the more cash is provided at the end of the chipping. Will our trusty trio make the deal for the Shredder before one of them becomes its next victim? There's only one way to find out. It's time for you to listen to this episode of the Curious Goods Podcast. A retelling, a revisit, and a complete educational detailing of each and every episode of Friday the 13th, the series. This time, Season 1, Episode 9, Root of All Evil. Greetings, everybody. I'm Mike Wilkerson, one of your hosts. And I'm Nicholas J. Hearn, your other host. Nick, some quick housekeeping. We love to point everybody over to the Podcaster Matrix. The Podcaster Matrix is your home for podcast hosting, as well as a bunch of promotion that I know I don't know what we would do without if we didn't have it. They are fabulous. Make sure you go check it out now over at podcastermatrix.com. We'll also include a link inside the show notes so that you can go and check out what you can find inside the real world of the Podcaster Matrix. Nick, this episode doesn't contain so much in the way of ghosts as it does enchanted items, obviously. Right. But I wanted to make sure that everybody knew about another podcast that you and I have put together. It's in a piece of your Two Guys Talking Horror set, and it's the perspective review of 1984's Ghostbusters, the original film. Yes. And I know that you and I really love talking about that movie, mostly because it was a really great movie. It is a great movie, and it's, a, it's, it's one of those 80s films that still stands up today. Yeah. Not only does it stand up, it also falls squarely inside of what I really do like when it comes to horror, which is kind of that comedy bend where it's almost a comedy. Oh, and then, by the way, there's a whole bunch of horror sprinkled into it. Right. Well, I've always looked at there's there's two separate subgenres. There's comedy horror and then there's horror comedy. Comedy mm. horror is a comedy mm. movie like Ghostbusters that mm. has horror elements in it. Most of the time, you're laughing at Ghostbusters, but there are a few intense moments yeah. in that movie yeah. that, hell, I wouldn't even show to anybody yeah. that was under the age of 10 right now. Yeah. 
Whereas a horror comedy is a horror movie Mm -hmm. that has the comedy element sprinkled in to alleviate the scares. Yeah. So those are the, the that's my that's my definition between those two. And 1984 Ghostbusters falls into comedy horror. Yeah, and it's a great film. I encourage everyone to go check it out. You can go listen to it right now over at twoguystalking.com forward slash Ghostbusters. Again, we'll also have that link inside the show notes for this episode over at CuriousGoodsPodcast.com. Okay, that does it for housekeeping. We got to spool into our retelling of this episode of Friday the 13th, Season 1, Episode 9. Root of all. This episode starts with a visit to a man named Harley and his mom doing some gardening work in front of their home. Oh, and his mom's a peach. Not only is she a peach, man, she can complain with the best of them. Yeah. If I had to listen to Harley's mom, and pick, 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 well, I kind of think I might have done exactly what he did. Yeah, and what he did do was he grabs a rake, he chops her in the head with it, and then shoves her body into the cursed wood chipper. And this thing is massive. Yeah. I mean, I mean you, you could put my car in it. I, I have yeah, a, I have a small car. A two-car garage. Car. Yeah, it's yeah. the size of a two-car garage. It's yeah. huge. Yeah. The maw on it is just giant. Yeah. Anyway, they they slide her in there and it is a long slide, dude. <laughs> and as the as she slides in there, you hear the colloquial you hear all of that but what you also see is the expression on harley's face and then also this weird almost fireplace like lighting that yeah a weird glow a weird very very strange from inside the chipper and then what you see is that lighting bouncing off of his incredibly creepy teeth yes cut to the curious goods antique store where Lewis has received a mysterious letter. A letter with cash in it. A letter with cash. Jack opens the letter, and uh, it's from Harley, thanking him for selling him the item mm-hmm. and uh, giving him a little piece of the action, and it's a $100 bill. Right. So so you start wondering, what, what is... what new $100 uh, very bill. Very new. Yet it says that it was printed in 1937. Very strange. Mystery. Very strange. Hmm. So, of course, Ryan and Jack decide, well, let's go to the manifest. We need to look into this. They find the name, the number, and just as they're about to start digging into this mystery, they accidentally overhear a little bit of Mickey's phone conversation with her fiancé, Lloyd. Lloyd, right. And things are they're things rocky. are rocky yeah. at best. And Lloyd wants to know what's going on. He doesn't understand why she's been gone for a month. And she unfortunately thinks that he suspects that she's having an affair with yeah. somebody. Yeah. Don't like Lloyd. No. Lloyd's Lloyd's definitely the douche nozzle of this episode. There's yes. no question. As the episode goes on, we snap back to this wonderfully landscaped estate with two people walking along. And they're arriving back and they walk past an older man and a younger man. One of them is named Smitty. The other one is named Adrian. And as the two people walk past Smitty and Adrian, Adrian overhears that there are some young people that are causing problems in the evening. Yeah, whether they're homeless or just young punks. This is, it's an estate, and this estate is attached to, like, ornate parks. And these rich folk are all about keeping these parks nice and pretty. 
Meanwhile, tracking down Harley, Jack and Mickey arrive to his residence, finding it completely abandoned. But of course, you know, they Scooby-Doo the thing and they have to find some sort of clue. In which they do. There's a crisp $5 bill inside of Harley's old shed. Now, while they're poking around, Mickey and Jack are having a conversation about how Mickey is kind of tired of the hunt. She kind of wants, she wants to go back to her old life. She feels responsible, but really wants to go home to Lloyd. Before they can finish their conversation about that, though, a portly, be-mustached neighbor with a crowbar pops up and, like all episodes, gives Jack and Mickey the exposition they need to understand what's going on, letting them know that Harley is locked up in a mental asylum after killing his mother and going nutso on the cops. The only thing that Harley could really tell the cops was something about the mouth of hell, which obviously would get you thrown into a rubber room just about anywhere. Oh, yeah. We snap back to the grounds, and here's Adrian tending to the grounds. And who's this guy? Some torn-clothed, drinking hobo guy. Is he a homeless person or just a punk? Maybe a homeless punk. Who knows? I think if we threw a guitar on him, he'd be in part of any (laughs) band anywhere. But anyway, this guy walks up to him and obviously he's familiar with Adrian. Knows knows who Adrian is. Adrian. And he walks up to him and starts talking about how he owes money to the wrong people. Evidently, Adrian had some sort of maybe gambling problem, I would assume. But he owes a lot of money to some bad folk and he's actually hiding out. Hence him getting a job as a landscaper slash gardener right. for these rich folk. Now, the hobo homeless person starts threatening Adrian, well, you know, if uh, you don't shut me up with a little cash, I'm going to tell all the people that you owe money to where to find you. Yeah. Now, Adrian doesn't want doesn't want to have anything to do with that. He's not going to be extorted. You can't talk to me that way. Mm-hmm. He grabs the bottle right out of the hobo homeless guy's hand, smacks him over the head, and kills him. And that activates the mulcher. Mm-hmm. So he grabs the homeless hobo by the shoulders and tosses him into the shredder. And out the other side of the shredder flies money. Crisp, Crisp $1 bills. bills. Yes. Amazing. Cash for kills. Cash for kills. As we visit back to the shop... We find that there is a peeping Tom looking inside of Mickey's window as she brushes her big ass hair. More accurately, a peeping Lloyd. <laughs> Lloyd has shown up to surprise, yeah, quote unquote, surprise Mickey. Really, he's spying on her, making sure that she's not having an affair. Right. And wants to know the truth. And of course, Mickey does not tell the truth uh, yet again. Uh, I can't come home. There's inventory that has to be done. Some missing inventory, and it's a, it's a real problem. And I can't get away. And Lloyd leaves all in a huff. Well, you know, if you can't be honest with me, then maybe you don't need to be marrying me. And walks out. The next morning, Mickey and Ryan visit Smitty, the master gardener of the grounds. They have tracked him down. Mm -hmm. And they're able to make a deal to buy the shredder that they still haven't seen for $2,500. That's a lot of dough. That's a lot of money, especially back then, especially for something that was made in 1937. Yeah, you can get yourself a nice new wood chipper. Not one that makes cash and is cursed. Well, true, but Smitty doesn't know that, so it's okay. He's happy to get rid of it. Merely an inconvenience. (laughs) 
Now, Smitty runs <laughs> off to get uh, to get the, the chipper ready, mm-hmm. and Adrian, who, you know, now has this weird connection to the chipper, hears what's going on, what Smitty's about to do. So, what does Adrian do? Shing! Takes out Smitty. Poor Smitty. With a shovel. Gets hit in the head with a shovel. And then before Adrian can get the chipper ready, Smitty's body <gasps> disappears. Right. Smitty decided to hide before he was killed. That's right. When uh, when Adrian comes back into the tool shed to come and grab the body to throw it into the chipper, <gasps> he's gone. He's gone. He's gone, but he's only hidden. Only hidden. He and didn't, he, he and didn't he, run away like he, the smart person <laughs> would. Right. He pulls a double leg and takes down Adrian like an MMA fighter inside of the tool shed. Yes, Smitty uh, had one good move left in him. Right. Unfortunately, the good move is his last move after Adrian... <laughs> Kills him with a garden trowel. And you know what fate is going to befall poor dead Smitty? He's mulch for the chipper. Going to make it rain. He, he will. And you know what? Probably $5 bills. Uh, I'm going to go 20s. Really? You think? Yeah. You think you Any th- dude named Smitty that everybody knows? Come on, man. Everybody likes him. Yeah, he probably lived a good life. Yeah, He was probably around when that thing was made, too. So, so while Smitty is meeting his end, Jack decides he is going to visit Harley in the mental institution by posing as Louis Vanderdee's partner. partner. Mm-hmm. Because mm-hmm. Harley has refused to talk to anybody. Right. And while posing as this partner, you, and, and that's the great thing about Jack, he's the master of disguise, Jack Marshak, lays it on thick about, oh, but Louis is dead, and now I want the chipper so I can use it, just like you did, Harley, and I'll split the money with you. And Harley... Stopping his uh, one flew over the cuckoo's nest rampage, looks at Jack and goes, "You have to promise me that you'll make sound investments." Which is very interesting. Because very interesting. What he also lays on him during that same little repartee is that not everybody's worth the same amount of money. Mm. The more prestige and and enhancement inside of your life you have, apparently, the more money you yield. So you kill homeless people, you get dollar bills. But if you kill rich people, I bet you could probably get some hundred dollar bills from that. Lloyd returns later on inside the episode back to the shop. Surprise, surprise. And is finally actually shown the vault and the cursed goods. Mickey actually decides to tell him the truth Mm -hmm. and takes him into the vault and, and starts actually pointing out cursed objects. Uh, one object is seems to be this l- weird-looking, standing, devil-looking thing that would turn people blind. She points to an old oil lamp that has evidently caused many house fires. And then, while she's telling Lloyd all about these things, Lloyd grabs a China white doll. Harkening back to the very first episode. Mm-hmm. And, of course, Lloyd doesn't believe anything, but behind Lloyd's back... The doll starts to move. So, of course, Mickey ushers him out very quickly before Lloyd is the next victim of the hissing doll. It's time to don the dungarees. That's right. Ryan and Jack have now put on workman's clothes to go work the grounds undercover. It's I love it when they go undercover because this is this is when the real detective work really starts. <laughs> now, while they're going undercover trying to find out what has happened to Smitty, Adrian is talking to one of the rich people who works for the even richer lady who owns all the parks and 
points him into the direction of where the mysterious Smitty has been hiding. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Guess what? That's not Smitty. That's a wood chipper. Yes, Adrian has lured this very wealthy, snotty to-do guy away from the rest of the crowd. Adrian pops out with a mini scythe and just just impales this guy right in the right in the stomach and freezes him. He like freezes and he goes. <laughs> yes, I mean it's quite painful. Falls to the ground, but guess what? He's not, he's not dead, dead yet. yet. <laughs> and we don't know that he's not dead until Adrian puts him in the wood chipper and the guy starts to scream. Yeah, he puts him in feet, feet first. Yes. An it, epic kill yeah. by Adrian. And in goes our ne'er-do-well super rich person alive. And out pops $100 bills from the mulcher. Lloyd finally returns back to the shop one last time and offers a drink to Mickey as well as an ultimatum. It's time to go with him or he's leaving. Yeah. And and the marriage is off. Yeah. And guess what? Mickey, she decides to go with Lloyd. She Pretty makes amazing. Yeah, she makes the decision Pretty to amazing. leave with him the very next day. Mm-hmm. Now, of course, Ryan learns of this and is just extremely disappointed in Mickey. Mm-hmm. Telling her that, you know, they have a responsibility. A duty. To, yeah, mm-hmm. a, really a duty, a sense of duty that they have to find these items because they are responsible. They are just like Uncle Lewis are responsible for selling these items as well. Mm-hmm. And Mickey's just not having it. She wants her old life back, which definitely puts Ryan in a bad place emotionally. Yeah. He also heaps on a whole bunch of guilt onto Mickey during that conversation as well. Which is deserved, I, I think. Agree. I agree. Definitely deserved. But there's no sway in her. Her mind is made up. Right. We wake up the next day and Jack and Ryan are continuing their master gardening skill set on the grounds and still Smitty cannot be found. So while Ryan starts searching for more clues, he actually finds some. There in the seat of, of a, uh, a converted golf cart to get around these, these massive grounds, there's this black satchel and it's filled with $100 bills. Now, I don't know about you, Mike. But if I had a black satchel filled with $100 bills, I ain't leaving it on the seat of I, my converted golf cart. I always leave it on the front seat next to me <laughs> in my golf cart out in the open. I know I would. Wouldn't you? Right. That's yeah, crazy. Sure. Crazy. So, so now Ryan has figured out that Adrian is the one behind everything. And there's a chase. Adrian is chasing Ryan, and it looks like Ryan's going to get away. And then Ryan actually does one thing in horror films that guys don't normally do. It's usually the women. Ryan trips and falls and hits his head. Knocks himself Just knocks himself right out. Mm -hmm. Allowing Adrian to drag him back to a shed so that he can grab the wood chipper and make some more cash. Right. Right. Mickey then stops by to say goodbye, but realizes that Ryan is in trouble. Jack and Mickey begin looking around for Ryan. Jack finds the mulcher and look, it's Ryan. Jack saves Ryan, but now where's Adrian? Well, it turns out Adrian wants all the money in the world and stalks the old rich lady who owns everything. Miss Harrington. Miss Harrington, you're our next victim. But he's stopped by the arrival of Mickey and Lloyd. And of course, Lloyd's no you. Come on. Get him, Lloyd. What? 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 No, but it's too dangerous. Stupid Lloyd. 
Ryan realizes that there might be one central piece here to take, and so he grabs the money bag and tosses it into the maw of the mulcher. Now, of course, Adrian's not having this. He's absolutely losing his mind. No, my money! Jumps in after the money and becomes the latest and hopefully last victim of the mulcher. Right, the difference is that after he's gone through the mulcher himself along with the bag of money, the only thing that comes out the back end is blood. Not even worth a dollar. Mickey and Lloyd finally face off for one last time. Duty in one hand, the future in the other. Duty wins. Yes, Mickey decides to stay, leaves Lloyd, and continues with the good work that her, Ryan, and Jack are doing. And because Mickey was able to settle in, that means that inside this episode, the item is... Recovered! A long, crunching grind. The very first kill that happens inside of this episode is one... If, again, if you remember, this was 1987 that this came out. While there isn't any blood and gore and, you know, intestines or anything flying out of the wood chipper. Right. What is showcased here is the body of an old woman being very slowly, really, pushed head first into a grinding machine that's yeah. making the appropriate noise. Oh, yeah. And it's a really long time. It's probably 15, 20 seconds. Mm-hmm. Well, we actually see Harley take the rake, kill her. One would believe that the rake the rake to the head killed her. And then slowly drag her body to the wood chipper, then lift her body into the wood chipper and slowly start pushing her head first mm-hmm. towards the blades. Mm-hmm. So it's not a it's not a okay, I've killed her and now she's in the wood chipper. We we take the time to build the oh, is is she he really going to put her in that wood chipper? He's really, he really putting, her putting her in that her in wood, wood chipper. chipper. Right, yeah. And I think what struck me, again, knowing that this was made in 1987, is that back then, this would have been really risque. Mm. This is this is not the alluding to things happening. I mean, there it is. It, it can't get any more. Look, there's a GoPro camera inside the maw right. watching the guy feed her into behind where the camera perspective is and then the sound. And it's really, really raw. It, it's But not as raw as it gets later in the episode, because remember, she's dead, so there's no noise. All we're hearing is the chipper. Right, right. It, it's still grisly, and it's long. Very, it's not, exactly, very grisly. It's not where the chipper starts, and then you start hearing, and then it snaps off. It doesn't. Right. It continues on. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and I wanted to make sure that we stroke this episode for that, because it's... It's impressive. It's it's the first thing that you get hit in the face with inside this episode, and it's one of the reasons why I know I remember this episode from watching it way back when. The being stepped on to be stepped on factor. One of the things that I found inside of this series and inside of many other properties that I really like, especially inside the horror genre, is where you... There's almost a leaning in to the person that eventually becomes the heavy and or villain. 
because they are being stepped on. They're 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 being bullied. They're right. Yeah. They're, they're being poked at because insert different thing. Mm. Whether they talk funny or they look funny or they're doing something strange and out of the out of the norm. Yeah. And somebody else going, "What's up with that loser?" Can we have that same style thing here with Adrian where he is being picked on and pointed at because he doesn't have the prestige that other people have? Well, yeah, he's just a gardener. He's just a a, a maintenance worker, basically, for the grounds. Yeah, yeah. One of my favorite perspective reviews that we've ever done, it was for Two Guys Talking Cars, Mm. and it is the perspective review of Christine. Oh, love that movie. Christine is another perfect sample of what I'm talking about, where you take what is originally the stepped-on, peon ne'er-do-well inside of that inside of that movie mm, yeah. who then becomes the heavy bad guy along with the car obviously well yeah but he he has this giant arc it's this it's the slow corruption of of the innocence the, the you feel sorry for your character because he is picked on mm-hmm. and then when things start going well for him you as an audience member, you allow the character to have that moment of happiness because things are going well for him, even though you know it's going to end up wrong. Yeah. Now, yeah. in Christine, it there, like you said, there is an arc. It's a it's a big arc. Unfortunately, we don't have the hour and a half, hour forty five minutes to be able to have an arc like that. We only have about forty three. Mm-hmm. So writers and actors have to be very creative to create that arc. And ironically enough, and sometimes in these these episodes, and we've talked about this, sometimes in these episodes, there's not enough time to give one of those characters a good arc. This was one of those times to where you knew you knew just enough about Adrian to where you kind of felt bad for him, but once you knew about his past, it's like, oh, well, eh, no big deal. No. Right. right. And what I really appreciate about that, though, is that it instantly gives the audience a link to and for the person that we're going to follow throughout the episode, mm-hmm. which is Adrian. Uh, it's it's really a, it's a piece of episode and storytelling mechanics that really is hard to, to latch onto. Yeah. And I thought that they did it well inside this episode. The double-sided curse factor. I realize how this sounds, but I've got to tell you, this is the perfect double-sided curse. You have to find bodies to shove into the chipper. However, when you shove somebody into the chipper, out the other end comes dollar bills. Yeah, I mean, there's there's no evidence of your crime, mm-hmm. it would appear. So, win-win? I mean, as long as you don't get caught while you're shoving somebody into or, a chipper. Or murdering them. or Well, yeah, or murdering them. And again, that's I, I love it when they paint one of these items where you go, you know, if I had a money that could churn out cash, I would do it. Oh yeah, the murder part. I forgot about the murder part. Yeah, the murder I, part. I, I love it when they when they they show you this deliciously covered strawberry on the end. You go, ooh, one for me. And then you realize that to get the chocolate covered strawberry, you got to do something incredibly nefarious. Yes, I, I love that a lot. That's the great thing about this show. Yes. that's that's every episode. That is the that is the heart of every cursed object. Yeah, I I, I really do love that. And yeah. again, it, it's what it's what has rejuvenated the interest back in the show, mm. not just because we're doing a podcast about it, but because the 
there always is that dangle. There's the, wow, look at this. This is so cool and shiny. Right. And you understand why people lean into it and go, well, yeah, I can do that, especially because I need money. Well, you start you start making excuses for, well, well you know, just maybe, maybe once. Maybe I'll take Jack the Ripper's scalpel and just kill one person right. so that I can save get another person right. and get the prestige. And then, you know, then my then life will be off. fine. Right. right. Yeah. yeah. But it no, but it doesn't. Way. It right. never ends up it, like that. It never does. And, and, and by the way, can you... Can you step around the corner outside with me real quick? I wanted to show you something real quick. Oh, sure, sure. Wow, wow, Mike. This is a wonderful wood chipper. On-site production design greatness. This is yet another testament inside of episode number nine of this series Mm -hmm. where being on-site inside of these grounds that are majestic and obviously need an entire staff of gardening people to take care of. Right. Really does pay off. And volunteers. Yeah. It really does pay off. The, the example would be, let's shoot this at the Mike Wilkerson house. Eh, we're not going to have nearly the majestic scenage that we had inside of this episode. <laughs> and, and so making sure that this wasn't just, you know, they go pick some dumbass park someplace to shoot this. That's not what was going on here. This is clearly a place where people congregate and bring people for photographs mm-hmm. and and to, to, to do community service work and, and all this other cool stuff. And it looks like it. Yeah. And if they were able to get this and use it inside this episode, without question, delivers untold Production value. value goes yeah. right up. It's yeah. amazing. It's where you're going to have, you know, who knows whether they built the, the tool shed or not, mm. but you'd have all the makings for it. You'd have half the costuming that you need is, is done. The Being able to hang tools inside of the shed, that's already done. Being able to have something in hand that is then used to murder somebody, that's already done. Right. Uh, having all those things in one place instantly checks off so many boxes that it really is a piece of not just value for the episode, but really for historical value in production means inside the episode. Mm-hmm. The machine itself. Let's be plain. This is a plain ass machine. Yeah. yeah. It's this giant metal maw, and then there is this reasonably tiny engine that's on the back, and then there is this shunt where all the stuff's supposed to fly out the end. Mm-hmm. And not much else. And it it looks like it was made in 1937. There are these small mechanical steel wheels and the giant maw and this tiny little engine and then the the plastic tubing that leads out of the maw. Right. And that's it. It reminds me very much of many of the stories that you'll see inside of, say, Tales from the Crypt or... The Twilight Zone, where there is some MacGuffin, there's the thing right. that does something, and you need to know about it, but it's super plain. It's not It's not the Tesseract from the Avengers movies. <laughs> right. It's not the Infinity Gauntlet, where it's this giant golden brass thing with ornate jewels that glow and make sound when cool things happen. It's a throw pillow. It, 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 it's it's even, just a plain it's just there. brown throw pillow. It's there to foster the storytelling provide you with that literal mechanical push that has to be there Mm -hmm. and then little else. And I appreciate that because the machine doesn't become the thing inside of this, inside of this story. The people are still the things inside the movie that people focus on because of the wood chipper. And I, 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 I appreciate that inside of this episode. It's really, really well done. Well, they could have easily gotten something smaller 
You know, they could have bought, they could have gotten a smaller wood chipper. Mm-hmm. E- even even some could of the older ones. Could have been a clipper. Well, I'm saying I'm saying keeping with the the fact that it's going to be a mulcher. Okay, great, but why something so massive? Mm-hmm. Well, because you're going to throw a body you're into it. Kind of a body, right? Right. Although you could, I'm, you could have tricked it out though. Yeah, we'll, you, we'll, they, we'll they could have. We'll try and grab a screen grab of what right. this thing looks like. Because, okay. I mean, the, the Maw on this thing is giant. When it, I say you can pull huge. that car in it, I'm not kidding. The production team could have tricked this thing out to make it look like Satan's wood chipper. Yeah. But they didn't. Right. And you don't have to. Right. That's the great thing about this show. You don't have to make things look menacing just to make them look menacing. As long as the story is great... And the acting is pulled off, and people are, 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 are performing their asses off and making you believe that this wood chipper not only is going to chop all these dead people up, but is going to give you cash for it. You don't have to make it look anything different. Passionless Lloyd. There were a couple of moments where Lloyd was okay inside this episode, but for the vast majority of the time inside of this episode, not only did I not get the, you know, the asshole biff factor, I didn't get any of that, but I also didn't get that he cared, like at all. I I, I was never under the impression that he was really there to be there for her or for his own self-interest. And that's what I wanted. I wanted there to be a a delineation lean for Lloyd, and I never got it. Mm. I think that that actor was checking a box appearing on set, and it showed. Well, I'll play devil's advocate because here's the thing. I agree with you. I agree that it was very lackluster Lloyd. (laughs) Try to say that three times fast. Lackluster Lloyd. Lackluster Lloyd. Lackluster Lloyd. I agree with you, but I'll play devil's advocate uh, where an acting, writing standpoint is concerned. Maybe that's how the character was written. Maybe the character is just cold. Think of it. Think of it from a from the portrayal that we've seen from the very first episode. Because that's the last time we saw Lloyd was the first episode of this show. And now here, nine episodes later, we get we get him back longer than we saw him in the first episode. Mm-hmm. Maybe he's just a cold person who viewed Mickey as more of an object to have. I think she is quite stunning. As a trophy wife, I, I I don't know. That's the only explanation that I could give for the performance that was given by the actor who played Lloyd, because Lloyd was just very vanilla, and not even good vanilla, just really really generic mm-hmm. vanilla. There yeah. was no he was a generic kind of. There beans. was no passion yeah. anywhere when, when he was angry, when he was disappointed. It, it was a very monotone performance, and it really brought. It it brought it was sometimes it would bring the episode to kind of a screeching halt because yes. it's like, yes. come on, Lloyd, give me something. Yes. Are, are you angry I or do you care? Right, I need a direction for Lloyd. Yeah, and I needed him to steer some place. And he, I mean, he can even go multiple places. Let's say at the beginning he is that stilted. I don't really care, but I happen to be in town and I wanted to find out if you were screwing around behind my back. Okay, well, there's one take. But what if it can turn from that into something else? And that's my point is that. It never started anywhere and never went anywhere. Yeah. He just was appearing because, okay, bring in Lloyd. Okay, and action. Lost and opportunity. you're done. Very, very, it's a definite lost opportunity for more drama yeah. from that character to put on Mickey, which would then affect the rest of our cast. Yeah, it, it was the sole thing inside the episode that I didn't feel was up to par inside the episode. So, into the chipper for him. Into the chipper. 
Speaking of giving Lloyd a break, it's time to take a break here during the Curious Goods podcast. We will be right back. Wouldn't it be cool if your advertising could last forever? It can. With perpetual advertising, here's how it works. Magazine, radio, and television ads are efforts that people might see or hear once, and then they're lost forever. Perpetual advertising provides you with the chance for repeat exposure and replayability weeks, months, even years after it's originally inserted inside a podcast. So even if your advertising is included in a podcast years ago, those efforts are still impactful, providing you with true return on investment, real impact, thanks to perpetual advertising. Are you ready to change the way you and your company or organization advertises? Find out more and launch a unique perpetual advertising effort now by visiting twoguystalking.com forward slash sponsors. Trying to navigate the many genres and subgenres of horror can be like trying to perform an autopsy with no medical degree. You're not going to get very far, and you're going to make a mess try. Do everyone a favor. Hand the scalpels over to two guys talking horror and let them make the first incision while dissecting the genres of horror. Only from twoguystalkinghorror.com. Make your podcast soar with the Editor Core. Editing podcasts can be ugh, rough. Everyone knows that you'll spend at least double the time you use creating the podcast when editing it. Then there's the control freak factor and the gotta get it right the first time. Well, it's time to shove all that out the door and make your podcast soar with the Editor Core. The Editor Core is a talented, experienced team of podcast editors that have edited tens of thousands of hours of podcast content, and they're ready for yours now. Check out EditorCore.com because it's time to make your podcast soar. EditorCore.com. That's EditorCore.com. Thought about a career in voiceover? Need a great, cost-effective on-hold message for your organization or business? Don't know where to start? Check out The Voice Farm one-stop shop for voiceover needs. Check it out now by accessing the Voice Farm at voicefarmers.com and see what difference can be made with a company that is truly outside the box. From the Voice Box, voicefarmers.com. That's voicefarmers.com. Everyone, welcome back to the Curious Goods Podcast, a retelling, a revisit, and complete educational detailing of every episode of Friday the 13th, the series. This time, Season 1, Episode 9, Root of All Evil. Every time we come back from break, it's time for Nick and I to showcase our Curious Goods. Each of our curious goods is an actress portrayal, a moment inside the episode, or something else that tripped our collective wood chipper fantastic. Nick, what do you got? My curious good for this episode is the portrayal of Adrian, done by the, the great character actor Enrico Colantani. I hope I'm saying that right. Now, If you're not, we're in trouble, I'm sorry. Oh, I'm sure he's going to come after us. 
Uh, and that'd be great. I would love to have him on the show. Uh, you may remember this actor from such great films as Galaxy Quest, yes. AI, Artificial Intelligence. He was on Veronica Mars. He was on Just Shoot Me. He's a great actor. Mm-hmm. I love when this show hires character actors for their heavies that actually go on and have a career and you go like, I know that guy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I love it when I can sit down and watch this show and go like, I know that guy. Yeah. It's like, I remember him. He's from that thing. And this is one of those great instances where normally he's a comedic actor. He's in comedies. He's playing either the straight man or a, a goofy character. I mean, come on. Remember Galaxy Quest? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I am an alien the and I'm documents. going to- Yeah, exactly. Yeah. No, I love it. It's really good. This episode, he's this skeezy, creepy wood chipping killer yeah and i love it mm-hmm. because he, he he's got this glee about the character that he is playing mm-hmm. it's like uh, i don't care that i'm killing people because i'm getting all this fat cash yeah, i agree yeah yeah absolutely love anytime that we are graced with a great character actor that does go on and have a career of being a great character actor yeah and that is my curious good yeah my curious good for this episode is stair stepped in that they're able to throw through a stair step inside of the storytelling in regard to the chipper itself. Uh This isn't just something where you, hey, look, grab person and shove them through, and hey, pile of cash. It's actually graduated based on the person's stature and status. I thought that that was a brilliant move because it instantly takes it from just, okay, another person into the chipper, make cash. Okay, who cares? Blah. And it takes the people that have been introduced inside the episode as well as, you know, the literal grounds that are showcased inside the episode and gives it way more weight in regard to storytelling than just a guy that goes and now preys on the horde of homeless people or the runaways that are mentioned inside of the the front end of this episode. Kill 20 homeless people or one rich guy. Hmm, I think it's easier to kill one rich guy. Right. Now, yeah. a, a little bit of flaw inside the logic, and we didn't talk about this inside the, pl- the positives and the negatives, but one of the flaws is that if you kill the lady that's in charge of the place, well, not to say you're slashing your own job in half. But True. I mean, Someone wh- else would obviously wh- take where, up the mantle. But, but it's okay, because you're going to have plenty of money to store that wood chipper <laughs> somewhere in a nice little store-and-go storage unit or something like that. Probably. Although, were those around <laughs> back then? Do you remember seeing those ever back then? Because I don't remember that. I think you can, well, I mean, you can definitely get a storage unit, like one of those old-fashioned giant storage units. Those existed back then, yeah. Mm. I don't, not, I don't remember. But not I don't like those the, pods. The pods yeah. did not exist back no, then. No, no, no. The, the pods didn't. But I, I'm trying to remember if there were still storage locker unit style facilities back then. And I, I still don't they remember They were them. huge, though. I mean, they were like the size of something that you would like a park house? a car. Uh, the just inside this episode, again, is that graduated stair-stepping of storytelling in regard to there being more money for the richer people of status than just Hobo Jones should have been in a band guy. That's where we ask you guys, what is your Curious Good from this episode? Let us know what you think by going to our website. That Again, that's over at CuriousGoodsPodcast.com. Click anywhere on the right-hand side of the page, fill out the quick web form, and tell us what you think. Vocabulary. 
as always, I am a fan of words and vocabulary as we hear them and or contemplate them yep. inside of our episodes. And again, thanks to our friends over at virtualthesaurus.com, we've got a bunch to talk about today. Mulching slash shredder. Nick, the clearing of land is clearly haha, mm. something that is not new. We've been doing this since man could go and find a place where he wanted to clear land. Yep. The difference is that we're talking about a machine that will now take whatever you claim off of a given area and then mulch it into smaller pieces to use for whatever reason. Right. Inside of this episode, it's stated that the mulcher here was created in 1937. Mm -hmm. Obviously, the first mulcher was not created in 1937. It was created much, much longer ago. And we'll have some links inside this episode to the history of both mulching, land clearing, and some other cool things here. For everybody Uh, that's got a green thumb that's listening to the podcast. Yeah, but I've always loved the word mulching. Uh, I also love the use of mulch in general, because I think a lot of people get it wrong. Uh, What you'll see nowadays, especially, is you'll see that people will build this kind of uh, inverted bulb on the root of trees when they do mulching. And you're not supposed to do that. Hmm. Unfortunately, there are just a bunch of services that do that because they're going to score cash from the people that are paying them to go and do it. Right. So it's, again, we'll link to a bunch of uh, really great informational links, not only about mulch, but about the history of land clearing that I think everybody will find very interesting. Again, many thanks to our friends over at virtualthesaurus.com who provide us the detail we want to know today about the word trowel. I wrote down the word trowel because it's, at least what I can discern, is one of the people that gets murdered by a gardening trowel. Right, right, right. Well, I don't think that the gardening trowel itself would actually do all that much damage. Uh, I wanted to make sure that we talked about it because it's a cool word. Uh, one, you've got to spell it right. T-R-O-W-E-L. Yes. Not everybody's going to get that right. Uh, that's defined as a small hand tool with a handle and flat metal blade used for scooping or spreading plaster or similar materials around. And killing people. Oh, that's right. I forgot about that. Yes, and murder. Don't forget the murder. Ah, the word ultimatum. Again, according to our friends over at virtualthesaurus.com, it means a final peremptory demand or an urgent or preemptory request. Very interesting. I I would question the word preemptory as well. But We've got a vocabulary word inside, inside the definition of, voc- <laughs> of a do- vocabulary word. Right, right. But everyone knows what an ultimatum is. If you don't do this, then this. Right, yeah. And I love the concept of if you don't do this, then that. I, I've, I've always loved that. It works inside of just about every single instance of storytelling. And I think it's used really wonderfully here, even though it's the kind of limp noodle character that is Lloyd inside of this this episode conveying it. Well, at least that's the end of Lloyd. Or is it? That's where we ask you guys, what vocabulary did you recognize inside of this episode? Or what was conjured in your brain from listening to our podcast? Inside of this episode of the Curious Goods Podcast, go over to our website. That's CuriousGoodsPodcast.com. Click anywhere on the right-hand side of the page. Fill out the quick web form and tell us which vocabulary word you've focused on. Ah, the rating inside of every episode of the Curious Goods Podcast. The scale works thusly. 
A one is on the bottom, not unlike a limp noodle Lloyd. A ten is on top, the perfect machine to take bone, flesh, and soul and turn it into cash. Everything starts at a seven is the average. The numbers go up with positives. The numbers go down with negatives. And Nick... There are no halvesies. Nick, what do you got? When you think about the concept of what this episode is really about, it's ridiculous. It is. It, it, is, it is totally It is a completely right. ridiculous concept for an episode. Yep. Yet, you watch the episode and it's good. Mm-hmm. It's solid storytelling. Yeah. It's solid acting. There's... Not too many dings. I mean, besides Mr. Lloyd, I think the only other thing that I could really complain about or nitpick about in this episode is the wood chipper itself. First of all, how the hell did Lewis have that in his shop? I don't know. I'm serious. How did Lewis sell that to Harley? Where in the world was that in the shop? Okay, I'm not asking for que- for answers. Oh. It's a rhetorical question. Okay. Here's rhetorical question number two. How the hell are they getting it downstairs and into the vault? We were in the vault this episode. There's no room in that vault for a demonic wood chipper. Barely an inconvenience. Evidently, but that's the thing. We, The fact that they don't <laughs> talk about it at all. All, yeah, mm. you know, there's no, there's not even in a conversation of well, it's uh, we took it apart piece by piece, and now it's in the vault. They need to accommodate more time for Lloyd. Uh, yeah, so so really, I should just be complaining about Lloyd because if we could have cut out the whole Lloyd subplot of this episode, we could have talked about, your... about re- dis- dismantling the evil Satan Woodchipper. Oh, I see. So it's all Lloyd's fault. Okay, it well, is. because of Lloyd. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because of Lloyd and everything that Lloyd is responsible for doing, bringing this episode down for me, my rating is an eight. An eight. Wow. Interesting. This episode holds special value for me because this is one of the very few episodes of this series I know I can remember like the back of my hand. Mm -hmm. But the pieces parts I've forgotten were that stair-stepping piece that I talked about. And I did remember that at the, not at the end, but I did remember that there was something red coming out of the back end of this thing somewhere inside of the episode. And I didn't realize it until after we'd seen the end of the episode in which Adrian is what comes out of the end. And it's, it's blood red because he's worthless. It's very interesting. I didn't, I didn't take any of that to heart when I originally saw this episode originally back in the Mm eighties. But I also think that this is one of the very last episodes that I've seen because this is, like when I try and think of other things that I've seen inside of this show, I don't remember anything else. Hmm. So I wonder if maybe you'd mentioned that this was the last episode of... 1987. Yes, uh, when I was uh, looking up information Mm -hmm. about the episode, Mm -hmm. this one came out in the middle of November 1987. And episode 10 comes out towards the end of January of 1987. So this was the last episode that aired in the year 1987. Very interesting. Well, 88 was also a tumultuous year for me. So that's probably it, where life just took over. And so I don't 
I, I literally don't remember seeing what might have been the next episode, and then I think the rest of the series, hmm. if I'm not mistaken. So what that means for all of you listening is that while you are listening to this podcast and watching these episodes anew, well, so am I. And I think so is Nick. You might remember There's some a handful of, of other episodes that I remember that are in the future. Yeah. I know that I didn't I never saw this show episode to episode to episode. It was always very sporadic yeah. for me. Yeah. I know that there's a handful of episodes from season 2 that I've seen and we haven't gotten to, of course, and even some from season 3. So there's going to be some big chunks where mm-hmm. I don't know anything, which yeah. is great because yeah. it's it's like you're watching it is you're watching it for the first time. Mm-hmm. And then I know that there are some gems that are going to pop up, but I'm going to be, oh, I remember this one. Ooh, we're in for a treat. Yeah, yeah. Um, bottom line is, this this episode uh, holds a lot of value for me. The storytelling is incredibly good. As much as I wanted to pile on Lloyd at the end, he's really a, a, a zero factor sum. Merely an inconvenience. Anyway. He is just an inconvenience <laughs> inside this episode. And so I give this episode a nine. That's where we ask you guys, what did you give this episode? Season 1, Episode 9, haha, Root of All Evil. Let us know by going over to our website over at CuriousGoodsPodcast.com. Click anywhere on the right-hand side of the page, fill out the quick web form, and tell us what you think. Until next time, Nick acts up and I've got to toss him into the wood chipper for a escape. Quick, for a quick fitty. I'm Mike Wilkerson, one of your hosts. And I'm Nicholas J. Hurd. Immune to any kind of gardening tool you might have. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Curious Goods Podcast. We are always interested in learning what you remember about these enchanted items and their tales of reacquisition. Connect with us immediately at CuriousGoodsPodcast.com to share your treasured information. Until the next artifact reveals itself, the vault is now closed. Ryan, Ryan, Ryan DeLion. I love that. How did I miss that before? I don't know. Well, this is only like the really second time they've ever said his last name. (laughs) Oh, and it was him saying it. That's why, that's why it struck me. Well, yeah, but you remember in the first episode, she says it and she says it very French. So she goes, DeLion. Yeah, DeLion. And I was like, what, what? It's DeLion. (laughs) Or, or (laughs) DeLion. Here in the States, it's DeLion. Ryan DeLion. Sorry, okay. <clears throat> You're wasting my time, Hern! Good. When the moon hits your eye like a big pizza pie. Now who's wasting whose time? Huh? 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 Put you in the wood chipper. Too late, I Fitty. escaped. Fitty. I made a <laughs> I escaped. I escaped a wood chipper. <laughs> I, escaped. I escaped the wood chipper, and now I'm here for revenge. Damn it, where's my trowel? Oh, no, not my only weakness. Back in from break. You can't dismiss me, Wilkerson. Oh, shut up. I escaped your wood chipper. Kneel before Wilkerson. All right.
back in from break. 